0: Please pray with me. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that today that you would make of your Christians, as uh, one of your saints put it long ago, you would make us alleluias from head to toe, that we'd be living alleluias, that our life and our fellowship would show forth the work of your resurrection. Lord, we ask for that strength today. We ask for that reality today. We ask for that relational truth to be manifest in us today to the glory of your name. We pray it in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. This week I want to spend a little bit of time continuing in the reality of the resurrection and how um, that actually provides the deepest kind of reassurance that we can have in the troubled existence that we often live. And... um, the words that we have from the gospel this morning um, are going to serve as our main text, but it's really, I'm going to focus in on how the Lord ministers to our trouble by giving us a way, and by giving us the reality of his presence, and also by giving us um, just the power of his life. So it's really the way, the truth, and the life, if you want to think of it that way. Um, this week, um, as in, in, and it was even true last week, I mean, last week was such an incredible Inbursting, I just, is that a word? Inbursting of the resurrection life that um, in, the, in the last, um, like on Saturday night at Easter Vigil, on Sunday morning, man, the joy of the Lord was just so powerful. And the reality of his resurrection was just so manifest. And we enjoyed it. Many of us who are here this morning, I know you were strengthened by that, and I certainly was. And I really needed it last week. Um, you know, some of you know that some of the things that I've been involved with outside the main services are difficult. Like sometimes when you're a pastor, you're aware of things that are difficult in other people's lives. And, you know, if you happen to be a softy, which I guess I am, which I, th- I suppose you should be if you're a pastor, <laughs> uh, you know, you can get kind of caught up in that, that trouble of other people's lives, and it can be somewhat disturbing at times. And so when I came to uh, The services of last week, and we went through the Lord's suffering, and then his death, and then his resurrection. Man, I needed that objective reality. I needed to be really re-rooted in that, like, so that the trouble that I was in was transformed by the fact that Jesus went through suffering and death. And my trouble with his presence in it, knowing that he'd already suffered and died himself, my own trouble didn't seem that big. Not because it wasn't painful or difficult, but because he'd already dealt with it at a worser level. You know, so I could, I could really take consolation and I could be assured that I was going to be okay. But then when the resurrection celebration came, my goodness, that was so powerful. And it's like, I have the ability to raise you up out of your circumstances so that you're not defined by these circumstances that make you feel, you know, kind of trapped in. There is a bursting forth that happens. And... Um, and that's what I want to spend a little bit of time on today. It's like, how does that, that transcendent truth of what Jesus has already done in his death and his resurrection, how does that transcendent, overriding truth actually minister to us in the middle of our own trouble? Um, the first thing I want to talk about is how Jesus provides the way. Um, and we really need the way when we're troubled, Right? The word trouble there, it's like agitation. It's, it's being stirred up. It's being disturbed. Like you're, you're out of your comfort zone. You're ill at ease. You might even say that your mind is dis, dis-eased. And a lot of times that's how I think our culture experiences it, particularly mentally and emotionally. We're just not at ease. And it's for a lot of different reasons. Um, and so we need to be oriented. We need somebody who can set us back into true north, if you will. And um, that's actually the case of the disciples. That's why Jesus is giving this little um, sermonette, if you will, in John chapter 14. They're actually troubled. The reason that they're troubled is because he's telling them he's gonna go away. And then not only is he gonna go away, he's just said, Peter, you're gonna deny me. So the number two guy, their colleague, their trusted colleague, the guy who's supposedly the rock, is actually gonna waver and he's actually going to deny Jesus. It's very upsetting, and he can tell that they're upset. And so everything that he's saying in this gospel passage is to reassure them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Um, when we are in a caught, caught up in a way of trouble, I love what... Um, one of my, my friends said who she's been living a, a difficult life, but she's one of the most serene persons that I know right now. And she's had a lot of ups and downs. But man, is she free right now. But one of the things that she said to me this week when I was meeting with her was, um, you know, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Like, that's, that's interesting. I'd heard that before. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And then, and then what she said is that uh, worship is positive meditation. And, um, and she's saying this from the vantage point of one who's lived a lot of difficulty, who's lived a lot of internal difficulty, who's living a lot of external difficulty right now. And man, did she minister, and she, she's ministering a lot of light to me lately from a place of difficulty. And so she's speaking this serene truth to me. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And worship is positive meditation. And so Jesus is saying, I, I Don't let your hearts get caught up in worry. Don't get caught up in that way of meditation. I want you instead to believe into me. That's the word. It says believe in me and believe in, in God also, right? And, but the, the word in the Greek, you could actually translate it as into, and a guy named Dale Bruner has just recently translated it that way. Believe into God and believe also into me. And I kind of like that too because it gets at John See, we've got our icon here. We're always referring to it using good visual management techniques. So he's leaning into Jesus. And we know that Jesus is in the very heart of the Father, always leaning into him. And he's saying now, believe into me and believe into God. In a way, what he's pointing to is the fact that if you're in trouble, you need a transcendent thing to believe in, something that transcends the trouble that you're in. And the disciples would immediately, of course, understand that he's talking about relating to God. And that was the hope of the Hebrews. How can we know God? How can we believe in God? How can we find stability in our lives? And and that would be by leaning into God. That would be by believing into God, which Jesus now connects to believing into him. Um, I think that that's the the fundamental thing that I want to say today is that we we believe into Jesus and then we don't have to have our lives dictated by trouble if we believe into him. Because he's the Lord and he is showing us God, the one who is transcendent, and he's beginning to show us that he, in fact, is one who transcends it as well. That's what he's showing to the disciples. So despite the fact that you know, I'm actually going to be physically departing soon. And despite the fact that we still sometimes wish that we could have, you know, Jesus, in the way that he was with the disciples, physically with us, and despite the fact that we might even have people like Peter in our lives, people who are supposed to be strength for us, who are upsetting us, despite that, there's a way for us to come back into stability. There's a way for us not to be so disturbed, and it's by believing into Jesus. Um, Jesus then further describes, you know, he's saying to them, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and where I'm going, I'm going there to take you to myself. I'm going to come again and take you to myself. All of his goings, by the way, are comings. I like, I like that um, uh, expression that all of Christ's goings are actually comings. But he's going away that he could come and then take us also to himself, that we could be with him. And uh, Thomas is confused. Like, how, how is that, how, do, how are we going to know the way? Um, you're, you're talking about where, we don't even know where you're going. And how are we going to know the way? We don't know where you're going and we don't know how we're going to get there. And Jesus begins to show them that he is the way. He is the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, this is really different. I mean, he, his person is the way. I mean, I, I tend to think of, um, you know, like a method maybe. I want to know how to get something done. Uh, there's a, a guy that I've been paying some attention to who's kind of got an internet following, but he's got a bestseller book out right now 12 Rules for Life. His name is Jordan Peterson. And he grew up in, uh, he's just a little bit older than I am, but he grew up in the era when um, the Cold War was at its height. And he, he was literally existentially afraid of nuclear war. And there were a lot of people that were like that. That was his trouble. That was his personal angst that he felt. And so he ended up writing a book called The Maps of Meaning. I've not read it. Maps of Meaning. But he's like, how do, I, how do I make sense of this really unstable, disturbing world where it could literally blow up if the Soviet Union and the Uni- United States get into a nuclear war? That was, you know, he's looking for something stable, and he wrote Maps of Meaning. And it's this, you know, this journey through all these different things, like all these different myths, all these different explanations for how you can secure yourself and make sense of it. And I think, sometimes I I think that's what I want to know too. It's like, give me a map. How can I make my way to stability? Give me a map to get there. Give me a compass. And Jesus is saying something very different. You actually know the way if you know him. A person is the way. A person is the process. A person is how. It's Jesus. It's just believing into him. And that is the simplest way to put it. And we constantly want to make it more complicated. So believe into me, he's saying. And I want to begin to address something, too. I think that probably our biggest anxiety right now, it's not nuclear war, although maybe we should start being concerned about that again. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, but, But I actually think it's probably something more like, do I have a sense of belonging? I mean, they've done some studies on the, the rise of anxiety in the younger generation. But I don't just think it's the younger generations. I think it's us, people like my age, too. If you're spending time on things like s- social networking and the, the news feed that comes through it, um, one of the things that's upsetting to you is you're, like, you're feeling very shaken in terms of your sense of belonging. Like Sometimes people talk about it as tribal identity. Like, we, we look for a sense of security and belonging within our tribe, right? So if you're a Christian, you're kind of in a tribe. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, my sense of that is that, like, if you're a true Christian in the true church, you're a manifestation of the kingdom of God, which is eternal, and every tribe and every nation is going to come into that, right? But there's something about being in the world at this time where we're still in a battle, and so we, we can kind of feel a little bit this, this tribal anxiety that is everywhere. And so if you're a young teenage girl and you spend any time on the internet, um, you put out a post out there and you're just waiting for responses and you're wondering, do I belong? You're just waiting for recognition. Am I okay? Is anybody going to see me and recognize me and give me any credit for who I am? It's a very anxiety-producing experience. And I think a lot of us are feeling this right now, but the wonderful thing that Jesus is saying is, I want you to know who you belong to. You belong to me. In fact, I'm giving you a sense of home. I want you to understand that I'm going away for a while in order to come to you so that I can basically escort you into your home. Because on my father's estate, there are many, many homes, and you can belong here safely. So that's the anxiety issue that I I think that we have a lot, that I, I think Jesus is specifically addressing. Believe into me and you will have home. Believe into me and you will have that sense of belonging that will secure you. So that's, that's really the thing that I wanted to say about being on the way, that Jesus is the way. He's the map. He's the ladder. He's the door. He's the way. He's the one who brings us into home. He's the one who gets us oriented in himself, in his very person, so that we can be at home and belong. The second thing is that um, he's the truth. And you might be able to um, think of the truth as um, also what's reliable. You know what we can we really trust in? I think that's what, in a way, Philip, and maybe also Thomas are trying to get at. Philip's a little bit more intense about it. It's like, look, uh, show us the Father, and then we'll be satisfied. I'm not going to ask you any more questions. Just show us the Father. I want to see God. I really do want that transcendent. Maybe you could even say, I want a Moses-like experience where I see God and I start to glow. <laughs> And that would be, of course, the seeking the face of God is the great hope of all the faithful. And Jesus, what he's saying is that, um, yeah, I, I'm, going, I'm going to do that, but you can, you can, in a sense, you have it right now by just seeing me and looking on me because I am the manifestation of the Father. Sh- sh- how could you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard the words that I'm speaking, you're hearing the words of the Father who actually dwells in me, who's made his home in me. I'm 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 as he puts it in the first chapter of John that Jesus the only son of the Father who dwells in the very heart of the Father, he's explained the Father. He's actually shown and explicated and described everything that you need to know about the Father. He's the truth. He's the full manifestation of God, the one that you need to know in order to have stability, the one thing you need to know in order to feel like you can live a life that's reliable in the midst of turmoil and trouble. He's the truth. He's the manifestation of the truth. And so if you know him, you know the Father, and you can trust in that. You know, um, one of the... um, things that just occurred to me is that in our psalm today you kind of have a picture of this you've got the way that the psalmist is describing the faithful together speaking of belonging again is that it starts with Aaron's beard it's like he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and it just comes from the head and it goes all the way down to the entire body and Jesus is the Messiah he's the anointed one He's the one in whom the reality of God, he's not only fully God and fully man, he's also fully anointed with the Holy Spirit, and that anointing is coming down through him who is completely reliable, and that anointing and that security is coming to all of us so that we dwell together in unity. And so in a way, even the truth speaks to the need for the belonging that we desire and we, we long for. Our prayer for this year is that we would lean into the Lord who's leaning into the Father, that our hearts would be full of joy and that our homes would be full of joy. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples, look, I know you're disturbed. You can trust in me. I'm going to make a home for you. And the, in, my, in my father's estate, there's many homes and they will be filled with joy and it will, nobody will take that joy away from you. Nobody. And so Aaron's beard is a good picture of how wonderful it is when he ministers to us that belonging, um, I think the other thing that I'm noticing, too, is that there's one heart. Even in in um, in the Greek here, it says in our translation, let not your hearts be troubled, but it's actually singular. There's something about us being together that is like one heart. And it says that in the first epistle of John, too. And even you get that same thing in Acts. When we are really in Jesus... We're not troubled and we're not troubled about one another. We're really standing on such solid rock ground and, the, f- and the, the force of that ground is so strong and stable we can be secure and we are one heart then and all the things that are troubled about our hearts are now steadied and so truth is a big part of that too. He's the way, he's the truth and he leads us into this place of belonging because of that. The last thing I want to say is the very third paragraph is um, he's saying, okay, this is really important. Whenever Jesus says truly, truly, or amen, amen, or verily, verily, depending upon your translation, he's saying, this is important. Pay attention now. This is the last thing I'm going to say to you in our context today. This is really important. Not only am I the way, the truth, and the truth, but I'm also the life. If you believe into me, you're going to do the works that I do in even greater works because I go to the Father. And so I want you to know that the reason I go is so that you can grow in this power. The reason I go is so you can grow in this power, in this life, in this abundant life. It's a divine life. And I, I want to say, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. The whatever you ask in my name I will do it. And he's emphasizing two things. One is he's saying, on the one hand, there's power in prayer. And now that I'm going to the Father, when you ask me whatever, I will do it. He's also bringing a qualification to that. There's prayer power when Jesus goes to the Father. It's so one of the main reasons he goes is he wants to give us the Spirit so that we can then enter into this way of power. And it's going to be even greater than him. I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind is this, this greater than is probably, I mean, we should be praying for miracles for sure. Absolutely, praying for miracles. But when Jesus does miracles, it's a sign of all the things that I'm talking about. It's a sign of the manifestation of God. It's a sign of the kingdom that is together and can't be troubled. It's a sign of a trustworthy way of life. It's a sign of of Christ being the face of the Father. Hallelujah. And so we pray for miracles that that would be manifest. And He says that you'll do greater works than me. And when the Holy Spirit comes, they do. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's no longer just the 12 of them together. It's actually very soon 500. And it's very soon 3,000. And then it just grows. They're fruitful and they multiply. But it's partly because they've learned to ask in his name for whatever is on their hearts. Um... And that's what the disciples do, is they continue to ask for that power to proclaim so that they are fruitful and multiply in the way that Jesus is commanded. You know, it's miracles that begin to happen. Um, and even in Sunday school, um, Paul, I think you were reminding us that when Peter would walk by, his shadow would heal somebody because he was there proclaiming the resurrection power, the life that divine power. And, um, but he also says, in my name. And so what, what does he mean by that? I think what he means is that when you ask for something in Jesus' name, you're asking something in accordance with his whole mission. His mission is to make the Father known. His mission is to glorify the Father. And so a lot of times, you know, I think we we should be asking for miracles for the sake of compassion to be expressed, but once again, so that the sign of the kingdom would would be manifest. He is doing miracles. Every single sign he did in John's gospel is for the glory of God. And then everything that he did in his passion, death, and resurrection was for the glory of God. And so that's his mission. And so when we get really centered and we believe into Jesus and we believe into God and we trust in him and we know that he's the truth and we know him and therefore know the Father, then we're going to be on mission and we're going to ask things in keeping with his heart and the kingdom will be manifest just as it was for the apostles. That's to be on mission and that's what it means to ask in his name. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Jesus. Jesus. Help us to to ask in your name and help us to believe that you want to do these works that will manifest your kingdom so that we would grow, so that we would grow from 70 to 3,000 or whatever. You know, I am, I think with Jesus, this is really important, really, really important. If you believe into me, you're going to do these works and greater works, because he goes to the Father. So ask in my name. He's, he really, really wants us to do this—to ask in his name. For the glory of his Father. Um, I don't know if you guys are still feeling the trouble that you might have come into today, uh, into today's service with on your heart. Um, at the end of our Easter vigil service last um, Saturday night. After I had given a brief word on how Jesus will roll away even the large stones, that the, the, the powers of heaven will roll away the large stones of difficulty in our life, I got a different word near the end of the service, and some of you may remember it, and it was that the wheels of our lives are within the wheel of God's. And sometimes our wheels are spinning wheels, and we feel very disoriented, and we feel very insecure, and we feel very anxious, and that can be for a lot of different reasons. But what I want to say today to you is that you don't have to have that way of trouble dictate your life or to dictate your mind. You can reroute yourself in Jesus who is the way, the person who is the way. You can reestablish yourself on the truth of somebody who's utterly reliable. And you can begin to enjoy the power through prayer that will get your spinning wheel slowed down and moving in the power of his resurrection where he rolls away stones. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I just ask that we would be people who would enter into your way your truth and your life and especially lord that we would hear this last word that you have called us to be a people of prayer that we might do greater works in your power in your spirit to the glory of your father and to the growth of your church lord encourage us give us courage lord to do this we pray this in your holy name in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen